Good evening, cruisers. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight we will be exploring something, again, a little bit different. We're going to dive back into a research paper, but it will be more abstract than our typical topics. So we're not talking about robots, materials, diseases, or manufacturing. Tonight we will be discussing the dynamics of a city, aka the pulse of city, as measured through its lights. Ladies and gentle cruisers, you are tuned into Cruising on the Cutting Edge. I am Wellington Froelich, your host and faithful driver, as we scour the country looking for the best tales of research coming from the intrepid laboratories at our universities. So last week, folks, we learned about the neat applications the Entertainment Arts and Engineering Department at University of Utah is working, uh, like creating computer-generated stories of narco-terrorism for intelligence agents. Each one is unique. So this, of course, got me thinking that if I were ever to make up my mind about approaching someone I was attracted to at a bar, I could always use their algorithm to help me perfect my game. <laughs> so this week we're going to the Big Apple. The first time I think we've ventured there thus far. So just a brief uh, announcement, folks, before we, as we fuel up here. Uh, there was a good bit of engineering and science in the mainstream news this week. The high-altitude air balloon from China and a new form of ice. So, the first bit is pretty interesting because balloons can fly to the edge of space and go undetected from radar and other defense systems at that height. This one was around at around 200,000 feet, or about five times higher than what a standard jet travels at. So, people are thinking of ways to detect and also knock out such adversarial balloons as we speak, but this has definitely caught our nation off guard for sure. So, the other bit of news is the newly created form of ice. Uh, it's actually, I think, fortunate that we discussed liquid crystals previously, um, not two or three episodes ago, uh, already, because to me it seems very similar to that. I think the I think, though, that the process of making this ice was more interesting than the result. They cooled a chamber to almost absolute zero, meaning no motion of electrons and atoms, etc. And then they shook up water and ball bearings inside it to create a new ice, which they call medium density ice. So apparently this could be how some ice looks like on other planets. and. Um, what we might expect. They actually can turn into a white powder from what I've read, so pretty interesting. But the most profound thing is that this was previously thought to be impossible to exist. And as science does, that changed. I'd argue here that engineering is different in that regard from science. You'll hardly ever hear an engineer say something is impossible. It's more likely they'll try to start figuring out how it could be done. Okay, cruisers, let's jump on into our cherry red and chromed out 1960 Plymouth XNR prototype car. This vehicle is stunning. It's got one of a kind, bold design on the rear. It looks like a star. And this coupe is asymmetrical and sports a cover for the passenger seat so that it makes it look like a, a track car from that era. As we pull into the Big Apple, 
we find amidst the stockbrokers, investment banks, and insurance analysts a brick building about eight stories high dedicated to engineering. This is the home to NYU's civil and urban engineering department. Of course, the folks rush out of their lab to ask us about our unique vehicle. And after a little enticing, we are shepherded into their labs to understand their current research thrusts, including analyzing the beautiful city nightscapes. So in this paper titled Dynamics of the Urban Lightscape by Gregory Dobler and Masood Gandahari et al., we find out how these engineers are gathering data about the city's pulse. Folks, this is definitely a briefer episode, but does pack a lot of good information. First, we shall discuss the theory. Um, then we shall look at their methods and results. And finally, we will hop back onto the on-ramp to the future. So ladies and gentlemen, cruisers, have you ever been to New York or any large concrete city and seen its alter ego of the night? The dazzling light displays and twinkling lamps from people's rooms create sort of their own field of stars. Yes, well, these researchers looked at them a little differently and saw the stories they tell on a bigger picture. So they took pictures of Lower Manhattan from the Brooklyn side for about a month to help them understand people's typical behavior and whether or not that would help them indicate a disturbance in people's circadian rhythms or the city's circadian rhythm, if you will. Um, and also how many people are roughly in a given building when the lights are on. So moving on to testing, they ran their images through some data processing algorithms, including ones that folks use for astronomical purposes. And I was wondering if what I might read was something we use here at Transastra. And I think parts of it we do. So one in particular is the canny edge detector. That's C-A-N-N-Y. I think it's the last name of somebody. Canny edge detector, which they use to detect when lights turned on and off. Now this algorithm was actually developed in the 80s. So it's still heavily used today. Math can be timeless and is actually. The way this works is taking each image, turning it into black and white. Now, since black, grays, and whites can represent numbers as well, they're then multiplied by something called a key or a kernel. And this kernel passes through each pixel. And after uh, this addition of this key to each pixel, and it's matrix multiplication, essentially, um, it's able to isolate edges and makes it easier for folks to work with large amounts of points of interest, that is, in a photo, like edges or lights. So I thought it strange, though, that in the paper, they still mentioned that they manually selected over 4,000 lights in the initial photo. My guess is that they wanted to have a clear reference photo they could compare sub subsequent ones to because the wind and the atmosphere can make the picture shift ever so slightly over time, can make the camera vibrate um, in unpredictable ways as well. But that didn't turn out to be such a big issue. So the results are actually very interesting. Um, this image that they, uh, the well, so the image that they kept on capturing included 
both residential and commercial lights. The taller buildings in the background in Manhattan are the commercial and in the foreground are the residential. So just imagine this New York City skyline. So the tall, uh, over, over the course of the weeks, the residential lights displayed trends on the whole, but the individual lights of the residential areas um, compared to each other did not. So most lights turned off for about the same amount of time, but then again, most of them were different so uh, as to when they turned off. The general pattern though became random on the weekends, which you might expect, right? People spending out more time, um, spending more time out and about coming back at later hours, turning lights on. So the commercial buildings depicted clear trends due to the fact that lots of lights are on timers or on displays that go through the night. Some uh, office buildings have whole floors that tend to turn off after a certain time as well. And I, so while I don't consider this to be breakthrough technology, it is innovation in that they're using tools, other tools from other industries to analyze a new problem in their civil and urban landscape. So folks, let's jump back onto the unwrap to the future. Perhaps the biggest question is that of privacy. People clearly don't want cameras pointed at their brightly lit rooms throughout the night. So the photos they used were completely void of any personal information or privacy violations. The fact of the matter is the amount of pixels they used for one little light was no more than three or four. That means that there's very little resolution and the atmosphere also blurred things as well. But uh, what else can they use this information for? Some say uh, emergency response trends, perhaps helping them figure out where, I don't know, fire is happening or some, some larger crime is, uh, is happening. So I would suggest though, economic trends as well. Places that keep their lights on longer can typically afford to do so. So it's very, it could, it could yield some interesting, um, interesting uh, pieces of analysis for the pulse of the city. Uh, I would, uh, so lastly folks, these researchers want to take photos slash scans of other types of light the cities emit, like infrared or perhaps even Oh, sorry, infra infrared, I always get that wrong. <laughs> um, and perhaps even uh, cell signals. So what do you think about that? Is it really necessary to find the pulse of the city for, for that kind of scanning? What true benefits do you see here? Let me know what you think. Cities are massive hubs of data. And so what are the things about human behavior could you remotely monitor like this? Folks, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you back in the leather bucket seats next time. My song reputation for this week is Lost in the Light by Bahamas. He's a pretty good singer. Enjoy the song.